0: I want to tell you about someone tonight. His his hair is always picture perfect. Always parted to the right. Not a strand out of place. His olive skin complexion is, even as dermatologists would say, flawless. His wardrobe dictates fashion. When he drives a car off the lot, its price increases value. Roses stop to smell him. Men want to be him. Women want to be with him. He lives vicariously through himself. His shadow has been on the best dress list twice. When he holds a lady's purse, he looks manly. He's considered a national treasure in countries he's never been. His blood smells like cologne, and his physique is etched in the Rosetta Stone. His name is Ken. And he's stolen the hearts of girls ages three to nine. Now that sounds creepy when you say it out loud. But what makes Ken so attractive after all? Not just to girls ages three to nine, but to Barbie and also the rest of the world at large. I mean, when we think about it, he's a heartless, brainless, organless, 11 and three quarter inch tall polyethylene pretty boy. But he's stolen the hearts of girls ages three to nine and Barbie and, of course, even his clothes alone. His clothing alone. One outfit is going for $2,500 online. Do you know how many hot and ready Little Caesars pizzas you can buy for $2,500? $2,500. $500. 500 hot and ready pizzas, or one Ken doll outfit. What makes Ken so attractive after all? Maybe that's the same question that people are asking about Jesus. Not because the circus ran away to join him or he can kill two stones with one bird, but what makes Jesus so attractive? Attractive. Isaiah 53 speaks of the suffering servant, saying, There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. And yet the early apostles and countless individuals throughout history have given their entire lives and even their deaths for him. Apparently, Jesus is attractive enough because the life he offers is real, true, authentic life and life to the full. Apparently, Jesus is attractive enough because he is worth something far beyond a value this world could offer. But the way in which the attraction of Jesus gets communicated is interesting the way in which the attraction of Jesus gets communicated is interesting. It's not as we will see tonight, blasted all over the first century jumbotrons or spewed out all over the first century interwebs for all to see. It's not advertised on infomercials. For us to call now or in the next five minutes. But it takes place in the hearts and in the lives of his disciples. People like you and me who learn to live out his message of hope to the world at large. And that's what we're going to explore tonight. In the Gospel of John, the irresistible attraction of the good news of Jesus Christ and all that comes with it. Love and peace beyond compare. As Dustin finished up last week with his, his message, he left off with a, a verse, verse 21 of, of John chapter 14. It's not on the screen, but just listen to these words. Jesus was telling the disciples, those who accept my commandments, which is to love God with everything and to love others as you love yourself, not just accept and obey them are the ones who love me and because they love me the father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them we pick it up with a bit of an interruption here in verse 22 of John chapter 14 so if you're able to stand I want to invite you to stand as we read from this one verse and then we'll get into the text further says Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said to him, that is to Jesus, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus, we come before you tonight and we want to focus on you. We want to focus on the message that you have specifically for us tonight. Speak to us, we ask, and give us the strength and the focus to listen. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth tonight and we know that when it goes forth, it never comes back empty or void. Whenever we open up your word, it never comes back empty or void or useless but use us, change us, transform us, God. We love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead, flip open your Bibles. If you've got the Journey app, you can follow along as well. Check out uh, the Bible translation on there. Write notes, whatever you do to stay focused and, and input the word of God into your life. Verse 22, we'll read it again. It says, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. Spoiler alert, right? Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, Judas, son of James, is what he's called. In other Gospels, he's also known as possibly Thaddeus. said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large, like uh, Jesus, You know, wouldn't it be great to get you some FaceTime up on the Jumbotron? I mean, blast you all over the interwebs, get a blimp and fly you over Caesarea Philippi and Antioch and Jerusalem and Rome and and Athens and Alexandria, you know, get you that FaceTime. That would be a great blanket broadcast to all the people. Boom, this is Jesus, God's son revealed. Sounds like a great marketing plan to me. Good FaceTime, name recognition at least. But when it comes to Jesus revealing himself to the world, why didn't Jesus just blast himself in the truth of who he is on the first century Jumbotrons and interwebs? I think that's a question worthy of table talk. Tonight. So go ahead and talk to the people around you and address the following question Why doesn't Jesus just publicly reveal or announce or broadcast who he is to the world at large? All right, go ahead. A couple of ideas about why doesn't Jesus just publicly reveal or announce. Or broadcast who he is to the world at large. First of all, they would probably just kill him before, you know, before his time actually came. I mean, they did, but that was for a different reason later on. Um, also, perhaps uh, Jesus isn't interested in fans. Jesus isn't interested in fans. He's interested in followers, disciples who give their life for his truth and the gospel. Uh, and also fade. Broadcasts fade. Broadcasts fade. But movements are another story. You think about the news, right? And you think about a news article that's huge, and oh, setting the world on fire today. I just, I just encourage you or challenge you to track that story and how it fades throughout the news over the next couple of days and weeks. I mean, you think back. I mean, how long ago did China land on the dark side of the moon? Like three weeks ago? No one's talking about that today. You're not going to find that on on any news website or anything like that. But the text continues here, and it may look like Jesus just ignores the question from Judas, son of James, but the text actually says, Jesus replied, as in he responded to that question. Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Verse 23a says, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. All who love me will do what I say. Maybe by Jesus revealing himself to you, maybe by Jesus revealing himself to you and by you loving him and obeying him, doing what he says, maybe that actually is how Jesus is revealing himself to the world at large. And the repercussions of that are a lot more momentous than a 30-second news clip or a blimp flyover. Broadcasts fade, but movements are another story. By going underground, by going underground, so to speak, Jesus is actually creating a current far more momentous and authentic and sustaining. The message goes underground into the hearts and lives instilled deep within the hearts of these believers, these Jesus followers whose lives are characterized by loving God and doing what he says. You might not recall all of the times that uh, Dustin Anderson has come up on stage on a Sunday morning and during the announcement time, he's pleaded with you men. He's, he's been saying like, men, I want you to come to this barbecue that we're having or men, I want you to sign up for camp or men, I want you to come to this Bible study. But I'm sure you remember when he came to you with his Ken Dollish haircut and his Ken Dollish attractive attributes. And he sat with you and he put his hand on you and he said, hey, brother, I'd really, I'd really, you know, could use your help on a Sunday morning during setup or teardown. You know, because I, I know you're a strong man of God. I know that you can really influence people. Or, or he, he comes to you and he, he comes to your house or he goes and gets coffee with you and he has a heart-to-heart with you. And then he says, you know, hey, I really think you should come to camp. It will change your life. You know, I know your marriage is on the brink or whatever it is. This might really help to rekindle some things that have been broken or, or things that have just faded away and they need to be relit. And I, I'm sure you went. I'm sure you signed up. I'm sure you became a part of that because there was an authentic interaction there. There was an authentic interaction and an authentic relationship there that's meaning a lot more than blanket broadcasts. I can't tell you how many ministries come to us pleading with us. Can you announce this, whatever it is, from the stage? We really want you to announce this. Say this. I mean, they'll, they'll harass me all the time as I'm coming up on stage. Like, oh, yeah, announce this, announce that. And I'm like, why don't you go announce it to your own people and reach those people who need to be reached? And it's far more advantageous to your ministry when you actually go up to someone face to face and not just rely on a blanket broadcast. I think Jesus is actually doing the same here. He's getting involved with authentic interaction in the lives of people in authentic relationship, instilling his message of hope and truth into the lives of the disciples. He does does so through authentic relationship and he does so through authentic interaction. And you know what? His message, it doesn't need jumbotrons. It needs disciples who live out his message authentically, adequately, and passionately. Jesus replied in verse 23, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Like what, you're just gonna knock on the door and come on in God? Yeah, pretty much. World-changing disciples who follow Jesus, they reveal Jesus to the world at large. They're disciples who have made God at home within their hearts. There's a fancy term here used in theology, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the homemaking in you of the Holy Spirit. It means you're a temple of the living God that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit given to you by God. Early in the chapter, Jesus was talking about he was gonna go away and he was going to prepare a place in heaven for the disciples, but now he's revealing how God would make his home in each and every one of them, in each of the believers here and now on earth by means of the Spirit. Verse 24a says, anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And the simple truth is this. If you don't love Jesus, you won't obey him. But if you love Jesus, you will obey him. Okay, yeah, that's one thing, right? If you don't love Jesus, you're not going to obey him. But what I find even more unattractive when it comes to Christianity is when Jesus followers say they're Jesus followers, but they don't do what Jesus followers are actually supposed to do. They don't love Jesus and they don't obey Jesus and they don't listen to Jesus. And you know when I say that, it's like I'm looking at myself in the mirror. But for those who don't do what Jesus' followers are supposed to do, for those who don't love and obey, let's take this as a wake-up call. Be careful because Jesus continues in verse 24b, and remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate or helper or counselor as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. With the Holy Spirit inside of our lives, at home, within us, what great things can we do? What great things can be done? What great power is inside of us? And while some Jesus followers who don't love and don't obey Jesus make Christianity unattractive to the world at large people who love and obey Jesus people who do and learn and live by the spirit they make Christianity attractive and they do so without even trying let's do some more table talk tonight does your life make Jesus attractive to the world at large why or why not how can you make it so Go ahead, talk to the people around you. So does your life make Jesus attractive to the world at large? Why or why not? How can you make it so? I hope you didn't address that third question. How can you make it so by saying, well, I have this marketing scheme of how I'm really going to market Jesus to the world. Uh, Because you know what? Being a faithful disciple is enough. The simple act of loving Jesus and doing what he says is attraction enough. And with the Holy Spirit inside of you, the advocate, the helper, the counselor, teaching you to love Jesus and obey Jesus, that's an attraction that is out of this world. You know what else is an attraction out of this world? The peace. That Jesus gives. Verse 27a says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. It's here a reflection on the Hebrew word shalom, which means something like peace and wholeness and contentment. Verse 27 continues, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled, or afraid, or distressed, or fearful, or cowardly, because you have peace. Let's talk about peace, a peace that you would receive from Jesus. The peace that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, gives is out of this world. It's a peace that makes possible by His work on the cross. But don't be confused about this. Peace is, the peace that Jesus gives is not the the absence of conflict and trial. It's the presence of God right there in the middle of conflict and trial. It's a peace that's fierce, that overwhelms all of your your trouble and all of your fear. And this fierce peace is established by the indwelling home-making presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you and to me when Jesus followers love and obey Jesus and live out the peace in their own lives that's attractive and it doesn't have anything to do with picture perfect hair or a wardrobe that dictates fashion or physique etched in Rosetta Stone it has to do with ordinary folks who don't look so ordinary after all as they adequately, authentically, and passionately love God and others. It's like a celebrity chef who now serves it up hot on stage for Jesus. Maybe you know him. It's like an air-conditioned mechanic who's found new tools for reaching young men on the football field and in juvenile hall. It's like the high school math teacher who can't help but to multiply her faith in the way that she ministers to her students. It's like a retired insurance agent who ensures the well-being of people who aren't having the best of days. It's like an ex-golf pro, Chico State Reppin, former drug dealer, who now deals out love to the world one person at a time. You know, these people are just like you. They're actually sitting probably next to you right now. To me, these Jesus followers, they love and obey Jesus, and they live out his peace in their lives, and they make this Jesus thing look really good. Remember what I told you, Jesus says in verse 28a. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. That means he's going to the cross He's going to die, but he's going to raise from the dead and will return to the disciples before his ascension to heaven. And it's as if these words that he just spoke caused the disciples' face to drop. As Jesus continues, if you really loved me, guys, you'd be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. Jesus' is a reminder of the Father's greatness is a reminder that Jesus' life is all about God. His entire life is all about God because he is God, but it's not about promoting his own self. And I think that's what makes Jesus so attractive. It's all about God. It's something that should characterize our lives and also the lives of the disciples too. And if the disciples really loved Jesus, And if their lives are really all about God, then this act of Jesus going to the Father, it should give them great joy. And that's the way that I think we should approach life. If our lives are completely about God and for God, we should approach every single obstacle and challenge and fear and doubt with a hope and a peace and a truth. that You know what? I can get through it. I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me. I have a a God who conquers. I have a Jesus who rose from the grave. But yet we get so afraid. We get so afraid. It's like, oh, man. Like, you know, the things that people are afraid of, money. Like, really? If you've got money problems, do you realize that God is the one who can multiply loaves of bread and fish? Like, that doesn't make sense. But maybe God can make that not make sense in your own life, too, with your money problems. If you've got health issues or kid issues, remember Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who restores and renews families and relationships back together. So I'm not saying or trying to discount or discredit your suffering or your pain or your trial or the road you're on right now. What I'm trying to say is that there's hope. We are never a people who are hopeless or without hope because even beyond the grave, you've got a hope of glory and great joy that awaits. Yeah. Verse 29 says, I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. It's not that they didn't believe before, but Jesus is just telling them that when these things occur, when these things would happen, their trust level of Jesus would increase. And their understanding of who he is, oh yeah, he told us about that before, it would also expand. And then Jesus says, I don't have much time to talk to you. Because the ruler of this world approaches, that is Satan, he has no power over me. I love that line. I love that line. He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. When we follow Jesus in doing what the Father requires of us, when we follow Jesus in doing what the Father requires of us, loving God with everything and loving others as we love ourselves, the world will know that we love the Father. Okay, cool, like whatever. Yeah, the world will know that that you love the Father. That's great. But regardless of whether the world knows or cares that we love the Father, the act of us loving the Father, the act of us loving the Father will consequently cause us to love the people of this world better. Because you cannot adequately or authentically, or passionately love God if you don't adequately, authentically, or passionately love others. And you cannot adequately, authentically, or passionately love others if you don't adequately, authentically, or passionately love God. And I think that's what makes Jesus so attractive. We do. We do when we fulfill his command to love. Lord Jesus, we want to love you and we want to obey you. And this life that you have for us, it is so attractive, but it's hard. There's so many distractions in our lives, In our headspace telling us, "No, don't don't go after that." Or they pull us away from what we really need to be doing. But we want to come back to this. We want to come back to the simplicity of loving you and loving people and realizing that that does change things, even when friends and family fall away or disown or despise or whatever. Lord, I pray that we would stand firm in faith with the peace that comes from you, the peace in the conflict of trial. Lord, I know that you understand the struggles that we have better than we ever could understand them, And you're here to help. You're here to help us overcome, to help us to be faithful, to listen, obey, and hear, and do and help us not to be afraid. Lord, we know that by loving you with all that we've got, that this world will be changed because we can't love you without loving other people. Help us to do that, especially with the challenging folks that meet our way. We love you and praise you because we are challenging people that you took and our taking and our restoring. We love you, we need you, we ask your Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.